All right. Morning, everybody. Hopefully, we are live. Um, I'm going to be looking down at my notes every now and then. I'm going to be looking at the screen. Uh, I think you're able to make comments off the side. So if you're having problems or if I'm not live, I'm, I'm going to peek right now. Am I live? Somebody comment for me. Waiting for it. Waiting for it. We'll see what happens. I just want to make sure. Get cozy here. Go ahead, grab your water, grab your cups of coffee. We're good? Not seeing anything? Ah, yes, live. Excellent. Thank you, Greg, Leslie. Leslie. Oh, Les. This is, sorry, Les. <laughs> this is why I should not be reading the, the comments. So, hey, let's, let's get into this right away. Welcome to my living room. Um, our living room. Uh, you're invited to the stump house today, uh, as we sort of focus on what God's word is going to say. And let me begin by saying that the church is still the church, even if we're not meeting in one massive large room. So guess what? We're all getting biblical today, going back to the book of Acts. A lot of the home churches, right? So uh, thanks for, for joining us and, and getting real biblical here. Uh, I never dreamed that we would have clear roads outside. No snow emergencies, nothing like that going on. And yet we're still broadcasting um, from the house. So that just it seems so odd to me, right? But we are living in uncharted times. Uh, no schools. No sporting events, no choir concerts, no uh, mass gatherings, and uh, the coronavirus-19 has basically stopped the world in its tracks. And uh, I know there's blame amongst many as to why this is happening, whether it be political, medical, or whatever it may be, um, but that's that's typical when there are no clear answers. We, we blame, we uh, get upset, right? Uh, even in the very beginning, remember in the book of Genesis, um, when Adam and Eve sinned and God came to them in the garden and then they started off basically, um, with, um, trying to figure out what had happened. Now, what, what, what happened? They started blaming each other. It's the woman's fault. It's the man's fault. It's the serpent's fault. And then even got to the point where Adam looked at God and said, well, it's the woman you gave me. So it, it's your fault, God. The blame game goes around. So I, I get it. Uh, when bad things happen, it's easy to blame. It's also easy to whine. And it's easy to worry. So right now, we want to pray for an end to this proclaimed crisis. We pray for those in leadership making decisions. We pray for those that have been directly affected by this virus. We pray for peace. And I'm so thankful that even the President of the United States has declared that today, March 15th as a national day of prayer. I know our family is going to spend some time praying after this is over with. I'm going to invite you and encourage you to do the same. During the next three weeks, we know bans have been put in place. There have been regulations and rules established to slow down the virus. And for at least three weeks, there's no school. There's no sporting events. There's no concerts. There's no mass gatherings, right? So to some, it's going to cause financial harm while others are going to be okay. Some of us will argue and complain. Some of us are going to whine. Uh, we're going to say it's a government conspiracy. It's, a, it's an overreaction. And, uh, some of us are going to look and say, well, what about the flu? That was worse. Or what about mental health issues, depression, suicide? That's worse. 
what about alcohol-related death? That's worse. Uh, what about the opioid crisis? What about, what about, what about, right? And nationally, have we done anything to slow those things down? See, that's the kind of stuff that we're dealing with, right? And if you talk to somebody about the coronavirus and about the what's and the facts, have you realized it's all over the place? That not one opinion is the same as somebody else's. It's as many as the grains of sand along the East Coast. So we're going to do with all this. Here's what we're going to do today. We're going to pause. We're going to pray. And then we're just going to leave that off to the side and seek God's word out. So let's do that. Let's pray. Just close your eyes with me. Heavenly Father, what an amazing God you are. I thank you, Lord, for this day that you've given us, that we can gather together. Even though we are not in one place, we are together through your spirit at work. For such a time as this, and it's an amazing thing, God, that technology is where it is today, that we can still worship you even if we're not in the same room. God, thank you. God, I pray for clarity in Scripture. I pray for peace in this world right now. Not just in one city, one state, but one world. It needs you. It needs the peace. So, God, we pray for that this morning. In your precious name we pray. Amen. Well, now we pray. Let's open up God's word uh, and find some hope and some direction. So open up your Bibles. Go ahead and grab them. Might be doing it on your smartphone, whatever you got. John chapter 14. That's where we're going to be. John chapter 14. And a few weeks ago in our church, we, we landed in the book of John chapter 14 uh, for what became a series within a series. Um, we were already in the book of John the last two Sundays, and these sermons were focusing on the topic of, of troubles and trust. And I said this a couple of weeks ago, troubles everywhere, and it's incited by many. Now consider this. We have troubles with ourselves, with our own maybe self-perception challenges, mental health, whatever it may be, pride, sin. We have troubles with others, relationship issues, right? We have troubles with circumstances, whether it be a flat tire, broken down car, failing a test, uh, whatever it might be. We have troubles with finances, unexpected bills. We can't pay off the loans. Uh, prices are too high, right? We have troubles with health, sickness, cancer, surgery, flu, uh, and now the coronavirus, right? We have loss of loved ones, death, that's troubling, and even work, too hard, too long, can't get along with our coworkers. So trouble's all over the place. Now, here we are, three weeks after that sermon, now we're socially distancing ourselves and facing new troubles like lack of toilet paper. Yeah, that's, that's, that's troubling, right? Seriously, trouble surrounds us in emotions that follow Trouble are no different for Jesus and his disciples. I want you to think about this. Jesus told his disciples he was going to leave. He told his disciples he was going to be betrayed. He told his disciples he was going to be denied. They're going to run away. And after saying all this to his disciples, he knew the heart of his disciples and that they were troubled, that emotionally they were confused. What, what's going to happen next in the next couple hours and the next couple of days and the weeks after. So in John chapter 14, one, take a look at, look what Jesus said. He said, don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. Why not be troubled? Remember, God can be trusted. We spent one whole sermon on just that one point, And I shared a few practical applications. 
And then last week, we talked about the truth is that you can't trust God if you don't have a relationship with God. So let me ask you this right now where you're sitting. Do you have a relationship with God? If you don't, I want to encourage you to look at the email I sent out this past week. If you didn't get that email, call me, text me, message me, let me know. We'll make sure you get it. But we want to, we want you to know how to have a relationship with the God of this universe. If you have a relationship with God and you're striving to trust God, then this past week, it just got a little bit harder, didn't it? Maybe, maybe not. For some of us, it's been a whirlwind whirlwind of emotions that's knocked you down. And for others, it's made you stronger. Regardless of the strength of your trust in God, please listen. You're not alone. You got that one? Now, at this point in time, I'd say, hey, look at the person next to you and say you're not alone. But it could be a little weird right now. But, hey, go ahead and shout it out wherever you're sitting. I'm not alone. Go ahead and say that. I'm not alone. If you're in your house, nobody cares, okay? If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, today you need to know this. You're not alone. In John chapter 14, Jesus not only commanded his disciples to trust him, he explained why they should trust him. And he briefly talked about heaven and how he's preparing a place of eternity for us. And it was incredible, right? But then he encouraged his disciples with many other things. But then he shared a powerful, and I mean a powerful truth, to give them peace. So let's look at John 14. We're going to start in verse 15. I'm going to be reading from the New Living Translation. It's just an easier translation to listen to. Um, Again, many of you are maybe across the board with kind of translations, but uh, let me read starting in verse 15. If you love me, obey my commandments, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate who will never leave you. He's the Holy Spirit who leads you into all truth. The world cannot receive him because it isn't looking for him. And doesn't recognize him. But you know him because he lives with you now and later will be in you. That's a key truth. God is giving us the Holy Spirit who is in us and will never leave us. Jesus used his last moments to teach his disciples how to follow the Holy Spirit's leadership in the same way they had followed him. Now, you think about this. It must have seemed strange to these these disciples as they listened to Jesus speak about the Holy Spirit. They had been accustomed to Jesus physically and visibly leading them. But now they're leading that the Holy Spirit would become their leader. Now they would have a leader that, that they wouldn't be able to see. They wouldn't be able to touch. They wouldn't be able to audibly hear. Yet they're supposed to follow him just as they followed Jesus. They're probably thinking different things, right? They're probably thinking, what is the Holy Spirit's leadership going to look like? Uh, Does he act and think differently than Jesus? What's it going to be like to follow the Spirit of God? This is going to be different, right? Jesus said, now look at this in the verse. He goes, I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate or another counselor. Now, this may seem odd to point this word out. But I want to point out the word another. And some of you are like, why not point out the word advocate or counselor? Okay, let me take just a couple seconds about that word. Okay, the Greek word for that is parakletos. Okay, parakletos. Now, it looks like a pair of cleats, right? Parakletos, maybe heard that. But anyway, basically that word means to call to one side, to be right here by your side. 
And yes, that's the Holy Spirit. Jesus is leaving, but the Holy Spirit is going to come right by our side. So he's standing next to the disciples, okay? But that word right before that is another. Okay, what does that mean? So in Greek, there's there's two words for another. One is alas, and the other one is heteros. Let me explain this to you. The first word alas means this. It's one of the very same kind, same character, same everything. Duplicate. Alas. Okay. Heteros means one of another kind, one of a different kind. So the Greek word used here in John 14, 16 is the word alas. The word alas emphatically means that the Holy Spirit would be like Jesus in every way, a duplicate of Jesus. Jesus wanted his disciples to know that the Holy Spirit was just like him. That cool? Okay, maybe not. But following the Holy Spirit was going to be so different than following him, except that the Spirit's leadership would be invisible rather than physical as the leadership of Jesus. In verse 17, look what it says. It says, you know him because he lives with you now. That's Jesus. Jesus said, you know him. You know the Holy Spirit because he's living with you now. That's Jesus. Because, again, Jesus and the Holy Spirit are the same. And later he'll be in you. That's the Holy Spirit, Jesus in you. It's it's not a, a force. It's not a power. It is a powerful, personal God that lives in you. This scripture is incredible. Okay, I'm sorry. Getting excited about this. Earlier in John chapter uh, 14, verse 8, Philip said to the Lord, Lord, show us the Father and we'll be satisfied. Okay, so here's what happened. Jesus answered, haven't I been with you all this time, Philip? And yet you still don't know who I am? Anybody who has seen me has seen the Father. See the equation here? If you see Jesus, you see the Father. By looking at Jesus, you can discover the Father's will. Jesus did exactly what the Father would do and say. His life, his attitude, his actions were the absolute manifested will of the Heavenly Father. For the two were united in nature, in character, in thought, and in deed. So as Jesus teaches his disciples about the Holy Spirit, he takes this truth one step further. Just as Jesus is the exact image of the Heavenly Father in every way, Jesus unmistakably tells the disciples that when the Holy Spirit comes, he will exactly represent Jesus in every word. That's why the word alas, another, is used to make this point. It leaves no room for doubt that the Holy Spirit will be just like Jesus. Jesus did only what the Heavenly Father would do. And now the Holy Spirit will only do what Jesus would do. As Jesus' representative on earth, the Holy Spirit never acts on his own or out of character with the life of Jesus Christ. So this same Spirit of God, the exact representation of Jesus, is in us. Think about that. This is important because many confuse the Holy Spirit uh, with, with the power or a person. Now, we talk about the power of the Holy Spirit, and I may have misspoken on this a few times, so I apologize if I've misled you or misquoted or said something that confused you. Here's the thing. If the Holy Spirit is just power, then we see it as something that we can get a hold of and use for our benefit. 
But if the Holy Spirit is a person, then it's about the Holy Spirit getting a hold of us and using us for his benefit. You see the difference there? See, when we understand that God, who is mighty, who is powerful and holy, has entered our hearts, we should be on our knees. We should be humbled. It's not about the power. It's about the presence of the one who is powerful in us. This is sometimes difficult to understand at times because uh, we're tempting to put into words something that is larger than words. There, there's no perfect illustration to uh, describe something that is so holy and so amazing. But I'm going to try it. Okay. Now, this might, this is where in the, the sermon it gets corny. And this is where people are like, oh, thanks, Rex. Now part of your character is jumping out. So here's what I'm going to do. And some of you have seen this before. Simply use a banana. Okay. So the banana, and once I had this guy show me this. Um, there you go. The banana is an amazing thing, and um, he was talking about how the banana reminds him of God. And I was like, well, how can the banana remind you of God? I'm going to stick my finger right down here um, in the middle of the banana, and I'm going to split it. And what happens is if you take your finger down the middle of the banana, it splits into three. And he said the banana always reminded him of God because it's like, yeah, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Three in one, same substance, same substance. Get it? Now, I didn't split it, and now this is going to taste like chalk, and this is going to taste like caramel, and this is going to taste like marshmallow. I don't I don't know. It's banana, but it's split three into one. Does that make sense? You follow me on this? Again, God's majestic. He's powerful. Um, he we, we bound humbleness to him, right, because he is divine. Jesus is God. We're able to see him. We're able to approach him. We can touch him, but yet he is divine. The Holy Spirit, we can't see him. Maybe we can't hear him. He's mysterious, but he's convicting. He's, he's comforting. Uh, he's peaceful, but he is divine. The divine. Agree? Three and one? Okay. So, I have to throw that down. Wipe off my fingers here. I got banana all on my fingers. But for some of us, we still look at this and we're saying, okay, this whole Holy Spirit in us, um, Maybe it doesn't make a lot of sense to us and we get a little confused and we're like, okay, remember the, the movie Alien? Okay, some of you have seen it and I'd say don't go watch it, okay? But uh, the, if you remember like the Alien, like the guy had that creature in him and, he, and his shirt started to bust out and he's like, Bleh. okay, we think like that's what the Holy Spirit is. But what if it's like the Holy Spirit is like it's God in us? You know what I'm saying? Okay, it's like the Holy Spirit in us. So if we're walking around, the Holy Spirit's in us. Shouldn't he be sticking out? I mean, if I've got God in me, okay, the way I act, everywhere I go, everybody sees Christ in me, the Holy Spirit at work in me. Okay, that was really corny, so putting him back, pushing back down. Okay, so this where I'll stop getting corny, but at least your kids enjoyed it, right? Okay, Jesus gives us his spirit. Refocus here. What makes this even better news, okay, is that he never leaves us. We're not alone. That doesn't make us exempt from trouble, though. I want you to think about this. Even when Jesus was with his disciples, they faced some fierce storms. They faced angry mobs. They faced uh, deranged demons, right? 
He's with us in our troubles. Just as Jesus was with his disciples in those troubles, the Holy Spirit is with us in our troubles. He won't leave us. Look at verse 18. No, I'm not abandoning his orphans. I will come to you. That's the good news. God never abandons us. We're never an orphan. Verse 19. Soon the world will no longer see me, but you'll see me. Since I live, you will also live. And when I'm raised to life again, you will know that I'm in my Father. You are in me, and I am in you. Again, Jesus gives us the Holy Spirit, which is a duplicate of himself in spirit form in us. Verse 21. Those who accept my commandments and obey them are the ones who love me. And because they love me, my Father will love them. And I will love them and reveal myself to each of them. Verse 22. Judas, not Judas Iscariot, but the other disciple with that name said to him, Lord, why are you going to reveal yourself only to us and not to the world at large? Jesus replied, verse 23, all who love me will do what I say. My Father will love them and we will come and make our home with each of them. You might want to underline that. Our home. This is Jesus talking. Remember, Jesus, God, Holy Spirit, duplicate. Three in one. They're making their home in us. I don't know if you're hearing a recurring theme here, but God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit is making this home in us, residing in us. Again, it's not a power force. It's a personal God that resides in us. Look at verse 24. Anyone who doesn't love me will not obey me. And remember, my words are not my own. What I'm telling you is from the Father who sent me. I'm telling you these things now while I'm still with you. But when the Father sends the advocate, the comforter, Paracletus, right, Cletus, as my representative, that is the Holy Spirit, he will teach you everything and will remind you of everything I've told you. The Holy Spirit teaches us, reminds us of the words of Jesus. Now, finally, Jesus does this. He's going to give us peace of mind and heart, which is out of this world. Look at verse 27. I'm leaving you with a gift. Peace of mind and heart. The peace I give is a gift that the world cannot give. So don't be troubled or afraid. Remember what I told you. I'm going away, but I will come back to you again. If you really love me, you'd be happy that I'm going to the Father, who is greater than I am. I told you these things before they happen. So that when they do happen, you'll believe. Look what Jesus said. He goes, let not your heart be troubled. Neither let it be afraid. That was in verse 27. Now that word troubled uh, means to shake, to trouble, to unsettle, to perplex, uh, to cause anxiety, to cause feelings of grief. Basically, it's a picture of somebody who's inwardly feeling shaken and unsettled. So you remember those snow globes? Some of you have had snow globes, okay? Picture that. When you shake it, everything inside of it just flying all over the place, right? That's the word that we're, we're looking at here. It's that unsettling, it's that shaken feeling that we have inside. And often when those troubling emotions begin to work in our soul, they open the door to other negative emotions and eventually pull us into that realm of fear. The word afraid here, that fear, that word is used, it depicts a fear, a a gripping fear. 
it, it grabs hold of us and it produces a sort of a, a shrinking back, a cowardice, like a run away from. You, you want to hide, just sort of shrink back, okay? So in essence, it saps your ability to look at the problem head on and causes us to retreat into our own mode of self-preservation, which in fact is basically a lack of courage to face what lies before us. This is the same word that Paul uses in 2 Timothy 1.7. This is the same verse and word I have heard so many times this past week. What? What is that verse? For God has not given us a spirit of fear, right? Intimity, but of power and love and a sound mind. That word fear is the same word that's used here. Timothy was facing some real problems. And so Paul writes in this verse and says, hey, I get it. Your problems are not imaginary. They're real. Nevertheless, Paul didn't want Timothy's emotion to be in bondage to a spirit of fear that would turn him into a coward. Shrinking back from reality wouldn't help this young minister or anyone else involved in the situation. So Paul writes to Timothy and says, listen, I don't want you to be caught up in, in this in this fear. That's not what God's given you. The God's given you some spiritual equipment of an entirely different nature, a spirit of power and love and sound mind. It's like it's like Paul is saying, hey, don't let your heart be torn up by all these things that unsettle you. Don't let it be taken with fear that causes you to shrink back and being coward, acting cowardly. I think that's sort of what Jesus was getting at here too. Listen, Jesus understands what you and I are facing today. We're not created to be torn up by our emotions. That's why we have to quickly grab hold of our emotions and tell ourselves, hey, I wasn't made for this. I refuse to allow this sense of panic and fear get a hold of me. Jesus is Lord over every situation, and I commit to him. I commit my life to him. And that includes what I'm looking at right now. He is with me. He is beside me. He's in front of me. He is over me. He is in me. Fear has no place here. Go ahead. Proclaim that truth. Because that's what Jesus is telling us. He knows us. He knows what we would face in life. He knew what we would be facing today. And he instructed us in advance. I love this. 2,000 years ago, he said, here's how you're going to handle today. Here's how you're going to deal with it. Don't allow yourself to stay in this state of being troubled and upset and fearful. It's not going to help your life. In fact, it hinders us from running the race that God has set before us. So take the words of Jesus very seriously here. Refuse to let your hearts to be troubled and full of fear. Don't allow yourself to yield to any fear of any form. You have his spirit. The spirit of power and love and a sound mind working in you. Remember what Jesus said in verse 27. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. Yeah, through the action of Jesus dying on the cross. And through his, his death, his resurrection, his victory over sin and death. And through the confession of my sins and my belief in Jesus Christ, I have peace with God and so do you, right? So we have this peace with God, but there's more. We have a peace that Jesus gives us. I want you to think about this. When somebody special in your life passes away, what do we cherish most? Something that they gave us or something that belonged to them that is given to us. 
See, I have, I have a couple things that sit on my nightstand by my bed. Um, they were, they were, they belonged to my father. Um, and one of them is this, it's a, it's a John Deere pocket knife. This was my dad's. And when he died and when he left this planet, um, I, I received this. It was a part of his life. Now it's a part of mine. And when I see it, I feel like he's here. And I know he's not, but I feel like he's here. And, and it gives me peace. And, and when Jesus left this planet, before he died, he told his disciples, I'm giving you my spirit. My spirit is peace. I'm giving you me, something that belongs to me, giving to you. This isn't just a gift that Jesus picked up at a store. This is personal. This is something that belongs to God. Remember, God, Jesus, Holy Spirit, the same. Remember the banana, okay? Jesus says, I'm giving you my peace. My spirit is peace. It is yours now. Jesus not only gives us um or makes peace with us, with, between us and God, but he gives us peace. He purchased peace and now he shares his very own peace, a divine, eternal, incomprehensible peace that dwells on his own heart as God and showed in splendor and the calmness of a man. He gives that to us. That's why the, and it's like, it's sort of hard to understand, but that's why Paul says in Philippians 4, 7, he goes, it's a peace that transcends all understanding. It's hard for us to grasp, right? Turn in your Bibles to Mark chapter four with me, okay? Grab your Bibles, turn to Mark chapter four. There's a, there's a, there's a parable here, uh, a story told by Jesus explaining how God's word is, is like a seed, okay? So you take his word. Remember, God breathes. When God said, when he spoke, all scriptures, God breathed. So his word, when we take his, his word and, and Jesus makes it into parable and says his, his word, spoken word is like a seed. I'm going to plant it. So he plants it and he plants it in different places. And one of the places it gets planted is, is amongst, um, some weeds and, and thorns. And it says, um, when it talks about when God's word's planted in us, it, it should change us. When we take God's word and he breathes it, it should change us and it grow and we bear fruit. Um, we show love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness. You remember those, the fruits of the spirit? So when God's word is breathing into us, it's planted into us, it changes us, okay? But Mark 4, 19, it says, the seed that fell among the thorns represents others who hear God's word, but all too quickly, the message is crowded out by the worries of life, the lure of wealth, and the desire for other things so no fruit is produced. Listen carefully. Some of us right now, we're like this. God's word is falling in, into our lives, but the things of this world's choking it. We receive the word of God, but we have allowed the interest and the cares of this world to choke it out. Why, why am I start? Why am I saying this today? The worries of life, the lures, the deceitfulness of wealth. The desires for other things is crowding out God's word. Listen, when anxiety and when worries comes out of our lips and the focus of our life more than God's word, we become unproductive. 
When making money, owning nice things, chasing wealth is our top priority, more than God's word, we become empty. When we desire the things of this world more than God's word, again, we become unproductive and empty. It's, it's like we, we strangle, we choke the spirit of God in us. Okay. This is going to seem crazy. Okay. But so like, again, the Holy Spirit always wants to talk to us, but we keep shutting them up. Right. To that word, the choke means to, to, to strangle. Okay. And we don't want to strangle the Holy Spirit. We strangle the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit won't say anything anymore. When we chase after the worries of this life and, and the wealth and the, the, the money and the desires of things of this world, we choke out the Holy Spirit and we can no longer hear what he has to say to us. Again, apologize for using the puppet as a, as a visual here. But sometimes we need to understand that this truth that God is trying to talk to us through his spirit that resides in us. But because we're so focused on all these other things around us and so worried about coronavirus and this and that and everything else, we have, we've strangled the word of God and we're not letting him speak to us. We're not hearing him. Maybe we just needed three weeks to get out of this weed patch that's been strangling the words of God and the peace of God from our lives. Look at verse 30. Let's move on. I don't have much more time to talk to you because the ruler of this world approaches. Oh, underline this next part. He has no power over me. And that, that's a strong amen right there, right? But I will do what the Father requires of me so that the world will know that I love the Father. Come, let's be going. <laughs> the world and its rulers have no power over Jesus. He reigns. He reigns. Now listen, either the Holy Spirit of God who resides in you is there or fear resides in you. Why am I saying this? Because I don't think there's enough room for both of them in our lives. One of them is going to crowd out the other. Either the Holy Spirit is going to push fear out or fear is going to push the Holy Spirit out, right? Who's stronger? Who's victorious? The Holy Spirit is, right? Personal God, Holy Spirit who resides in us. Listen, refuse to let negative emotions in. They're always going to be knocking at our door, trying to invade our the space that is reserved for God. Don't let fear in. Matter of fact, uh, don't let fear linger outside the door of your life. Don't even allow fear to, to camp on the front porch or the back deck. Don't even let fear on your property. Kick it off. Kick it off. Refuse to retreat to a toxic state of isolation and self-preservation. God has too many things for us in this life to waste a moment in torment of fear. So move forward in faith. Defeat the enemy's strategy against us today. I believe the worries of this life and the fear are choking out what we as Christians should be standing up and breathing strong right now. So I'm going to get practical with this, okay? I'll pause here from God's word and let's just get practical. We need to help each other deal with this. There are some people right now that might be a little fearful. How about those in nursing homes? They're not allowed to have visitors right now. And I imagine being in a nursing home in the first place is is pretty lonely place. For those who are shut in, the elderly um, who are at home right now, they're they're being told don't get out, and they're being told don't be visited, all that. It's going to get lonely for them. Okay, students, listen. You're off school for three weeks. It's time for you to adopt a grandparent and an extra grandparent and another grandparent. Write letters. Get some cards. 
and, and drop those off at the nursing homes, drop them off somewhere. If we can't visit people, at least send something to them to read, to see. We, we still have an opportunity to show that love, right? We, we, we can do this. Uh, we have the spirit of God in us. He is in us. He is peace. And we have this eternal peace that's been given to us so that the COVID-19 can come at us like a way, but let's not forget uh, who science is the way, right? Jesus said, peace be still. Here's another thing I want you to think about, okay? Again, I'm trying to get practical here. Jesus went into the wilderness for 40 days without food. Remember this? He isolated himself from the world to prepare himself for the future. He faced the tempter, the negotiator, Satan. But in every word that came from the lips of Satan, Jesus fired scripture back at him. What scripture are you firing back today? Right? For 21 days, we're told not to gather in large groups. Um, again, social distance, isolation, right? And the whole idea is let's isolate ourselves so that we don't spread this. And that seems so uh, invading and wrong because we know that we were created for relationships. We know that God created us to have relationships. We preach uh, teamwork and being united and brothers and sisters, right? And isolation just seems so anti-Christian, so anti-human, if that's such a term. Uh, against It goes against all that we were created for, right? But here's what happened. Jesus took 40 days uh, to isolate himself from, wait for it, the cares of this world, right? He strengthened his relationship with his heavenly father and prepared himself for a powerful three years of ministry that was to come. Maybe, just maybe, we can adopt these next 21 days as a fast from this world. Consider it. Instead of complaining and fighting the orders and the bans and the regulations uh, by the state and our government authorities, how about we just get quiet with God? Maybe we um, maybe we need to give up something that we've been holding on to. Some of you maybe are practicing giving up something for Lent. You know, like oh, I'm going to give up uh, spinach. Yeah, uh, I'm going to give up uh, um, uh, chocolate. Yeah, who cares to give up chocolate? You'll still find something else. Sour Patch Kids. You'll still find your sugar fix somewhere. Okay, we I don't know if when we give up stuff for Lent how serious it is. Like I'm going to give up pop. Okay, there's about five thousand other drinks you can drink. Okay. Maybe what we were giving up really wasn't enough to give up. If I was challenged to give up watching sport for 21 days, I admit I'd struggle. Love watching sports, you know? I'd say, uh, I'll give up spinach instead. Yeah, right. Maybe it's time for us to give up some things that we've made idols in our lives. Instead of posting every few minutes our complaints, our cancellations, we get it, okay? How about we take time to give God thanks? Those things that we can't do right now, maybe we took those for granted. Did you ever think about that? We live in such a blessed nation. We have so many freedoms. We, we have uh, education. We have opportunities to, to play sports, to attend concerts, to worship in large, large masses. Other countries, some countries can't do that. We're blessed. We are so blessed. And maybe we've taken all this for granted. Maybe the next 21 days are days that we can sit there and say, wow, God, thank you for this. I was really blessed. Here's another thing. There's going to be those who are financially going to be struggling. They're going to need help with groceries. They might need help with meals. 
Um, I know our church office is going to remain open. We're not closing. Our food pantry on Thursdays is still going to be open. We're still going to feed people. Uh, and it's a time like this where we're going to learn to continue to be selfless, uh, to look out for others. This is also a time I want to encourage you to give to God's word more. To read. Don't just, don't just read good books. Read the good book. Okay? Don't just read books about God. Read the book of God. Said, spoken by God. Because here's what's going to happen. When you read God's word, you have these aha moments. Like, whoa, that really, you know why? Because God's spirit in you is residing in you, right? And now things are starting to make sense. It's like your head and your heart are connecting. And it's like as he's breathing in from his word, the Holy Spirit in you is like, yeah, thanks. Oh, clear communication taking place. Create a playlist of songs. Get some worship music going. Listen to them often. Go outside. Go for a run. Go for a walk. Bike ride. Enjoy the fresh air. Avoid social media, right? When you want to post that uh, positive stuff, post the positive stuff. Leave the negative out there. How about changing the focus? I, uh, I love this verse um, from COVID-19 to 1 Peter 4.19. Okay? 1 Peter 4.19. So then those who suffer according to God's will should commit themselves to their faithful creator and continue to do good. Let's commit ourselves to God. We trust him, right? He is the way maker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness. My God, that is who you are. Let's continue to commit ourselves to doing good. Um, come out of these 21 days better, not bitter. And uh, use these 21 days for God's glory. Not complaint therapy, right? So listen, let me wrap this up. I know I'm probably gone beyond 30 minutes, but that's normal, right? If you don't have a relationship with God, can I say two words? Wake up. And I don't mean to sound mean, but if you don't have a relationship with God, um, I believe God's put this world on alert. And it's time to have a relationship with God. Get right with God. Uh, and again, let me know if, if you don't. I would love to talk to you personally about this, okay? One-on-one, -on -one, and if you want, you know, six feet in between us, I get it, okay? I don't care. If you have a relationship with God, share the hope of eternal life with an eternal God who has eternal hope and eternal peace with somebody today. As Christians, we are living now in a time when uh, everybody's ears are opened up, ready to hear something, share truth with them. Now remember this as I wrap this up. Jesus has given us his very spirit. His very spirit. Let that sink in. Because his spirit is peace. His spirit is truth. His spirit is hope. We have it. We have it. Oh, that's so good, isn't it? Isn't it good to know truth? I hope and pray that today's message encourages you. Try to keep it simple. I hope it was. You know me. I'm a pretty simple guy. Let me pray for you, and then I'm going to sign off. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, what an amazing God you are. I thank you, Lord, that you give us your words. I thank you that in the midst of trouble, we can find peace because you are there. God, I thank you that 2,000 years ago plus, you told your disciples that you were going to give us somebody a person, you in spirit, God in spirit to us, to walk with us, 
to be with us 24 seven, to never leave us, to never abandon us. We're not alone. And that spirit is peace. That gift you give us is peace. Not as this world gives, but as only you can give a divine, eternal peace. So God, let us walk today with the confidence of this truth. May we not be defeated by our emotions, but may we be victorious by truth. We love you, Lord. Help us to share this truth with someone today. God, we love you. In the precious name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. God bless you. And as always, go be the church.